the story of like zero to 10K? In the beginning, I was really just starting to find my style. And then I started to get a few well-recognized shots that were featured all over. You know, if you had 500 followers and you got a feature, you could get up to a thousand, two thousand. I definitely would prefer drone over everything. It's the most rewarding by far. Welcome back to another episode of the 52 Stories Podcast. My name is Omer, at Omer M. Wasim, and today I'm joined by James Spokes, at SecOps on Instagram. What's up, bro? What's up? Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks for coming on. Um, so I guess tell everyone about yourself for the people that don't know who you are. All right. So my name is James. I go by SecOps online. Uh, I'm 17, year old, 17 years old. I'm a senior in high school, and I am from the Bay Area, originally born in London. Oh, I actually didn't know that about you, but that's interesting. Yeah. Um, so I guess you're a photographer, you're known as a photographer. Um, how did you kind of start that like journey into photography? Yeah, so it's actually a pretty fun story. I was originally into building drones and racing FPV drones. And then I decided to sell all my stuff and save up for the DJI Mavic Pro, um, one of the first kind of small consumer drones that was available to everyone. And so I was doing video, trying to make little travel compilations on YouTube, that sort of thing. Um, and then I decided to start taking some photos and I was posting them. And then I met up with some of the original Bay Shooters crew. Um, and that's what really kickstarted my whole process and led to all of the connections I've been able to make. Interesting. Okay. So there's a lot of questions that I guess come out of that. The first one being, um, I actually didn't know that you started off in FPV. Um, what was that kind of like? Because it didn't used to be like so consumer friendly. Yeah, it was difficult. I had to order parts from all over and solder together the whole thing. And I wasn't very good at it. And the drones I built were also pretty horrible. There were definitely some, some flaws. It was hot glued together. And so that process was frustrating. I was not getting the results that I really wanted. Um, a lot of people were starting to do like big dives, like dive bombing down the side of buildings and racing and stuff like that. And I couldn't really achieve that. And a big kind of theme for me is whatever I put my effort into, I want to be able to do it at the absolute best of my ability and have full control of that. And I didn't feel really like I had that. So interesting. Yeah. Um, have you ever thought about getting back into FPV now that you're kind of like established in normal drones? Yeah, that's a good question. I did feel an urge to get back into it, especially when it started blowing up with people like Johnny FPV and some of these bigger accounts. But I feel at the same time, it's getting a little bit played out. Um, and so maybe I'll get one for fun. But I mean, it's also quite a big investment um, Definitely. Of, time and of resources. And as we were talking about earlier, I'm really trying to get into college, focus on that sort of stuff or not. Definitely. Um, awesome. And I guess you also mentioned that you met up with like the OG base shooters. Um, so you want to tell that story? Yeah. So, I mean, as it started, they were a pretty small group. They did some events here and there, but um, Dave and Colin threw together kind of an impromptu sunrise meet at Battery Spencer. And that was one of the first times that I'd seen stuff in the community happening. And so 
I got my mom to drive me out there. Um, and she was super nice about it, patient waiting in the car. I mean, this is before I'd really figured anything out and I shot with them. And, um, one of the only other people there was a little known photographer at the time called Paul Clark. And so he really mentored me and then he joined the group. And so it was great to meet everyone there. And, um, that's when a lot of the teaching started to happen. So they were teaching me how to edit, how to shoot all that. Yeah. And how long ago was this? That's a very good question. I think it was 2007, late 2017. So you were like, what, like 15 at the time? Yeah, 15, super young. And it was very novel to them that a, a little kid like me was running around with them taking photos, but I really just enjoyed it. And I had the drone. I didn't get a DSLR till later. So I was always just the kid mobbing the drone around while they all had their tripod set up. So it was, it was a fun experience. That's interesting. Um, you mentioned the DSLR. What DSLR do you shoot with now? So right now I have the Canon EOS RP, which is their kind of mirrorless camera. Um, the R is the nicer version of it, but um, I had my Sony a7 III robbed out of my car. Um, car got bipped. And so that was a pretty devastating loss for me because I had put in a lot of work to get that camera. Um, and then before that, I was shooting on a Rebel SL2, um, basically a starter camera. Um, yeah. Wait, your your A7 III got robbed? Yeah, um, my car got bipped outside of my house and um, it got taken. It, it's a bummer. I mean... Word to all the viewers, never, ever, ever leave anything valuable in your car. It's, That's crazy. Yeah. Did you have like insurance on it? Like no replacements, nothing? No insurance. I don't really believe in insurance generally. I mean, obviously car and auto insurance, but uh, cameras not <laughs> much, unless you're doing it full time. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's, that's understandable. Um, and so you, it got robbed and you kind of jumped over to Canon. Yeah. Um, and then in that same period of time, I had started seeing some film photography. Um, my friend Ben was really getting into that at art school. And so I found a camera at my grandparents' house, a little Olympus Mew, and then started shooting film as well. And so that's really on my Instagram, the majority of uh, shots are either drone or film and not so much on the DSLR. Yeah. Interesting. So would you say you prefer like your drone and uh, over like your DSLR shooting? I definitely would prefer drone over everything. It's the most rewarding by far. Um, and it's, it's just a fun experience, whether or not I'm taking photos just to have the drone there and fly is really fun. Yeah. Interesting. Um, which drone do you have? I have the DJI Mavic Pro 2. Yeah. Interesting. Awesome. I just picked up a Mavic Air 2. Um, I, I'm coming yeah. from the Mavic Air, and it's so much, it's so much like uh, more fun to use. Yeah, definitely. And I guess the other, the other part to your story is, I guess, what was it? Three years ago, you were this like 15 year old shooting with these like other photographers, but now you know you're very established. I guess in the base shooters community, um, you recently hit 10k. Congrats on that. Thank you. Um, what's the story of like zero to 10k? In the beginning, I was really just starting to find my style as everyone is kind of shooting right. random things um looking at other people for inspiration and that's the point where you still haven't hit all the spots in the city you know first time going to the bay bridge 
first time going up to point raise, that sort of thing. And so everything is incredibly novel. But at the same time, it's it's a struggle. Lightroom is a struggle figuring out edits, what you want to do. I mean, it's a pain. You're watching YouTube tutorials, that kind of stuff. Definitely. Um, and then I started to get a few well-recognized shots that were featured all over um, when the feature pages were. I mean, they're still pretty prominent um, and relevant in terms of blowing up. But that was the time where, you know, if you had 500 followers and you got a feature, you could get up to 1,000, 2,000. And right. so I started building myself like that. And then maybe at 3,000 or 4,000 followers, I did a meetup and started doing prints and all that kind of stuff. And then I was pretty quick up to eight or 9K. And then I really just stopped. Um, I got a little lazy um, with shooting and didn't post as much and I was inactive. And then I made a push recently and, and hit 10K, which was great. Um, but I really want to put in a lot more time into photography. And once all this school stuff is done, I will. So I'm looking forward to that. Right. And I guess um, one of the things you mentioned was the fact that, like, you know, it was very uh, it was very good if you got featured on a page because you usually blow uh, blow up from that. One of my friends, I think, went from like 8,000 to 2,000 overnight because he got an art of visuals feature. Um, I saw you were on their podcast, actually. This was like in the summertime. I was looking through their podcast. So do you know those guys as well? Or like, was that a one time thing? Yeah, so um, Prince, uh, he runs Art of Visuals. I was in contact with him uh, maybe a year or two ago. And he said, I'd love to get you on the podcast. And at the time, everyone on the podcast had 50,000 followers, 100,000 followers. So I was really honored to do it. And again, I was very young. I was 16, just turned 16. And so um, it was kind of novel to him that, there were younger photographers and I'm super grateful for that experience. He's a great guy. Um, but awesome. yeah, art of visuals is pretty serious in terms of growing your account. They have a huge reach. Definitely. Um, you mentioned, you know, you're kind of focused on school right now. Um, you have to get into college and things like that. How do you balance your time between, you know, being a normal like kid at school and then also like a photographer? Yeah, I have definitely struggled with that in points of my life, I try to set aside at least once or twice a week, some time to go out shooting, especially because it's just a relaxing experience. Time, Definitely. Time to focus on yourself um, when you're shooting alone in particular. Uh, but at times it's been difficult, especially there's, you know, social stuff to balance. You want to be seeing your friends. My friends are not really involved in photography. I know your group may be a little more, um, involved but uh tava who i shot with a lot he also left to go off to um, new york new york so uh and i shot with him a lot so i've been shooting a little less as well because of that interesting um at school do people know you as like just james or like are you like that one photographer kid um how does it go definitely at the beginning there is a little bit of stuff especially because the name SecOps is weird to be honest um it's creative yeah somewhat but you know people would literally just call me sec ops it was incredibly annoying but now i've kind of established myself and my photography i'd like to think is more of an art form than anything else i mean it, it used to be pretty bad generic edits um generic spots that kind of thing but um now the shots are more unique and more interesting and like 
you know, people who paint or people who sing in that way. Yeah. Right. And you mentioned, you mentioned Tava. Um, I've had, I guess I've had a couple of your friends on the podcast. I've had Alex SF, I've had Tava, yeah. having Max come on in a while. How did you meet these guys? So these guys I met at meetups or just um, through DMs. I've been very, um, I've made it a goal to respond to DMs, basically whoever it is. Um, so, you know, I always look through my requests, that sort of thing, see who's commenting on my page because you can always find new connections through that. And then I met with them and started shooting with them and we got along and generally it was a fun experience, pretty refreshing from uh, some of the Bay shooters culture, not, not in a bad way, but um, it's just different to that. So I enjoyed that. Yeah. Interesting. Um, is there any kind of like client work that you try to do? Or is it more of like a something you do for yourself? Yeah, so I have worked with Explorus this summer. Um, I did an internship with them They do uh, location insights for photography related spots. So that was really rewarding process. That's a great team. I've also done work with Loom Cube, Clean Canteen, um, and a few other brands. And generally, it's fun, but it's not my favorite. I don't really like being told what to do. I'd rather just go out and um, fulfill my own vision or whatever I'm thinking of at the moment. Yeah. Interesting. So like, kind of speaking long term, is photography something that you want to do or like client photography? Is that something you want to do? as like a means to support yourself or do you have other plans? Yeah, that's a good question. I would like to continue to do photography no matter what. And if I could never work and never have to work a summer job and be able to sustain myself over the summers during college, all photography, that would be ideal. Um, and I do have some more long-term goals. I would like to put out a book eventually, um, start doing YouTube. There are a few videos that I'd like to make. Um, but I do not really see myself being a full-time freelance photographer. So I guess another thing that's like very, very um, known in the photography community is like this obsession with how your grid looks. Like all the colors have to be the same. People use like preview it and other apps to like plan out their grid like precisely. Um, are you, I think you've kind of ended that phase. I'm personally still in it. Um, but how did you kind of get over that like grid obsession? Yeah. So in the beginning, it was very difficult and I was very fixated on making all the colors look the same and have the same style. And then I eventually told myself kind of, if it's only drone shots, then in that way, it'll be cohesive that everything is from above. But then I started mixing in other things. I think the thing that has really changed it for me is shooting film. Basically, all photographer, film photographers shoot the same stock, which is uh, Kodak Portra. And so that means that all the images turn out looking pretty visually similar. And so that's been nice. And one of the things I did, one of the new tricks is that when I have the drone and I'm shooting with the drone, I'll take a few photos with my film camera at the same spot in the same light conditions. So I can see how the colors and how the light looks on that stock of film uh, from the ground. And then what I'll do is match the drone colors to the film photos. And that's allowed me to streamline some of my process and make stuff look pretty visually similar. And so that's been, that was a pretty good discovery, I feel like. Also, you can do the same with uh, your digital. Um, you can match the digital to look like film. That's interesting. 
Um, it's funny you mentioned that because I guess that's very similar in some senses to how people color grade. Um, sometimes when I want to like emulate a certain film, like for example, let's say I want to make a, a grungy film and make it look like the Joker movie. I would just take a screen grab from that movie. I'd put it up in a panel right next to my video. And then I'd individually shift every color so that the colors match up. Um, and it's very, it seems like it's similar, like kind of to what you're doing. You, you get that like frame, set it as a reference photo on your film camera. And then like you kind of copy the colors individually. Is that how you do it? Yeah, uh, basically I'll set them side by side and then edit off of that. The new Lightroom update though has the split toning. You can actually insert certain color codes. Um, oh. so you can get a palette for an image and get codes because you know all colors have numbers and letters associated with exactly. them. Exactly. Code that in and match it more accurately. And I started to do that on a few photos, but I'm definitely gonna focus more on that. Um, and I guess you mentioned that, you know, um, you mentioned that your friends are kind of separate from that base shooters community. They've also mentioned that a little bit when they were on my episode or when they were on their own episodes on my podcast, you've kind of seen the community progress over the years. Um, do you think it's progressed in a good way, in a bad way? Um, yeah, that's a good question. I feel that a lot of the negative part of the Bay shooters community got the kind of trap almost is that you go to the same spots and you shoot the same thing as each other and I think it's great to shoot with other people as long as you're coming away with mostly different images or um, at least in some way creative I think if you're going to a place to shoot a photo that's already been shot then that becomes problematic um, and so recently I've been doing more photo walk type of things where I will just walk through a neighborhood or go for a hike in a fun area and that sort of thing. And so that allows for more creativity and getting different types of shots. Interesting. Um, is that some, I guess, you know, the whole concept of shooting with someone at the same, uh, at the same spot and coming away with different images is that something you still uh, have to like battle with even though you shoot drone? Because I, I assume most of your friends, they do shoot primarily on DSLRs, right? Yeah, so uh, in a recent, I normally drone alone always. Um, oh, okay. Just because there's interference between the two drones. Um, and so that's always a pain. But also the missions for the drone are normally sunrise and in special conditions. So I'll get myself up at five or six to go out and shoot alone. Um, which is rewarding in itself. But recently I shot with Max. I droned with him for the first time in a long time. And we really came away with the same set of shots. We posted two different angles, but we really all have, we have the same um, sort of photos, which I find interesting. Um, but it's definitely not as bad as with the DSLR where you're standing in the same physical location. That's a little tough. It's like the iconic story of everyone's tripods, like literally on top of each other. Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. Um, and I guess one thing about droning is someone always seems to get in trouble or not always, but a lot of the time someone seems to get in trouble. I was shooting with um, two of my friends and we posted a shot at Mount Tamalpais and a guy DMs him. He's like, I just reported you to, the national park services and he sent us a screenshot of them replying uh, has that has that happened to you a lot like getting called out for droning illegally so it has happened quite a bit I, at one point in time i had to make my account private for a while because i was getting 
um, multiple reports. I also was featured on a page called um, Our Public Lands Hate You. They did an entire post about my drone photography. And um, so they sent me a pretty rude uh, DM and I replied saying something pretty unsavory back. If we said it on this podcast, your podcast would be canceled. But I said something pretty rude. Oh, no. And he posted about it. I, I can tell you off podcast. But yeah, yeah. So that was funny. But then I've just had to block people. There's a Bay Area guy, BTW photographer. Oh, my God. We all blocked him. He's the one who reported us. Um, Some people's dog accounts. But I mean, really, just people are salty. I looked at my stats. I posted on my story recently. But I have near 100 hours logged on the drone and so i understand that it's illegal but so are a lot of other things and i'm in full control uh when i'm when i have the drone in dangerous areas and i'm not really worried if i lose connection i still have line of sight if something goes wrong with the wind i know what to do and so generally it feels safe to me and i'm okay with the risk i guess another side to the whole photography community is a lot of people have been branching out into TikTok. Um, is that something that you, you've done or is that something you're thinking about doing? Yeah, so I got TikTok not very early on, but when it was starting to really pick up steam and instantly I was pretty hooked on it. My For You page got pretty personalized to me within a couple weeks. And at that point, it was very hard to not look at it. Um, Definitely. And then I posted a compilation of some of the iPhone videos I had compiled over the past couple of years with a trendy sound at the time and it got 350,000 views on the first one so I was oh, wow. pretty blown away um, and then the next one got uh, I think 90,000 views and um, but there were some in between that basically got no views and so that was also rewarding to have a lot more eyes on my work but then I was spending five hours a day six hours a day on it really a lot of time and so yeah I deleted it about a month and a half ago and I'm never going to use it again. But I think it's great to get your name out there for certain things. Um, but it really is designed to addict you and there's not much benefit that can come out of it, in my opinion. Other yeah. Than- and I mean, we were talking, I guess, before the podcast started about like, I guess, apps and, and other stuff. And you have some good insight. Um, so as far as TikTok goes, from the perspective of not like a user, but like actually like talking about their algorithm or the way they they have um, they've structured their app. What do you think about like TikTok? A few things started to worry me from the per- from early on. One of them was I was getting very specific TikToks about my location, so about my neighborhood and the city I was living in, and that was a little worrying. And then also the algorithm got so good to the point where it had all of my interests. It had photography stuff, Formula One, just random things that I was into. Um, And also the things that you didn't like, but you would watch multiple times, it would also repeat those sorts of things. So it was looking at your engagement or, you know, if you watch a video more than once or that sort of thing. And so then that was the point where I realized it was really taking all of your information getting Dude, to know everything about you i've seen i've had my like irl friends like my friends from real life or from instagram that i don't follow on tiktok i've had them show up on my for you page and i've also shown up on other people's for you page yes or people so, in your contacts when they post yes as well 
do you think like there should be oh i have a good question um it's related to this i had one of my friends he posts on his story something about like you know cars and buildings they have these like they have they have restrictions they have rules they have laws around them um there's like certain ethics that you follow like you know when you're buying a building or when you're like renovating something um but then i guess the social world and you know a lot of this comes from like the social dilemma people are realizing now but a lot of like the online world isn't regulated as much as it should be um do you think that like where where's your stance are you on the stance that like someone shut these companies down or like you know the other side is just like it's not hurting anyone yeah so not to get too much into politics but generally my views are i would like a government that is not involved in anyone's life or anyone's businesses um but in terms of social media i feel like there should be work done to make sure especially with the bigger tech companies that there's no violation of antitrust laws so google and facebook especially with the advertising um and also there needs to be measures in place to make sure this information is secure i'm fine if they're collecting information um but if it's not secure that's the issue so there has to be very good uh measures in place to make sure that nothing is being leaked that's my general idea about it yeah interesting and i guess i have one last question before we switch over into like the personal side one last like photography related question what is like your favorite spot that you've shot at that's a good question my favorite spot probably has been alabama hills mm, that's a good I think one. quite a few people have shot there but there's actually something pretty magical we came in at night and then camped um which added to the experience and then in the morning the sun comes up on those mountains there i'm sure you've seen under photos. Have you photos. Been before? i haven't we're planning on going um soon okay good i think that's probably the most magical spot or when a trip is planned out with fog um so looking at the webcams three o'clock four o'clock five o'clock then deciding to go going for a hike and then the fog is perfect conditions are perfect that's also equally rewarding definitely um awesome okay so switching over into like the personal side all right um the first question is you mentioned at the beginning that you were actually born in london i didn't know that um when did you move over here i moved here when i was five uh okay but we go back quite a bit. A lot of our family and friends are in London. And uh, I do have a photo project for the UK planned for whenever there's a vaccine or I'm able to go back. Definitely, bro. I'm, I'm waiting so hard for that for that vaccine to finally come out. I have so many like trips planned. Yeah. Um, can't wait. Okay. And then I guess removing kind of sec ops from your personality for a second, what does like James do on like a daily basis that's not photography related? Uh, I play tennis quite a bit. Um, and I've mainly just been focused on school that takes up a lot of my time. And I have a lot of interest in school and history and psychology and that sort of stuff. I've also been doing a lot more collage and working in art in other mediums, which has been nice. Um, and then also scanning and developing film has been taking up time. I guess that's also photography related. Um, I got my license pretty early on, so I oh, drive cool. basically everywhere. And um, that's also just nice just to go for a drive out somewhere. Yeah. Interesting. Um, do you have like, 
So for me, I have a lot of my friends who just have nothing to do with photography. And then I also have a lot of like photography friends that, you know, you probably know a lot of them. Do you kind of have that same like split between your photography life and like your, your personal life? Definitely. I've tried to get my close friends involved with photography and they have camera, like little point shoot film cameras and, and they'll right. shoot when we're hanging out and stuff like that. But I like that separation between the photography community and my close uh, school friends because they both bring different insights um, into the world, current affairs, but also creative stuff. And it keeps me motivated and fueled and inspired to have um, two separate groups of people to relate with. Yeah. And I mean, I, I actually didn't know the base shooters community existed until like February. Um, but one thing I've found is that I'm able to connect a lot easier with photographers than just, you know, people that I see either at like school or like people that I just meet randomly. Um, is that kind of the same for you? I am a little rare in that I have no uh, problem just approaching random people on the street or talking to random people. I think oh, definitely. that's one of my um, traits that I particularly like having is that I can just go talk to anyone no matter the situation. But I would agree that it is very easy on social media. All you have to do is look through someone's feed. If you somewhat like it, you can send them a DM and they'll DM you back and you can start a friendship. And I think it'll also be rewarding in the next couple of years to start to fulfill some of those uh, relationships. So I've been talking to a few people in, you know, in Europe or New York or um, across the US who I've never really gotten the chance to meet. And so meeting those people will be amazing when I do uh, get the chance. For sure. Um, I guess the next question is, we're kind of coming towards the end. Um, I, I ask these questions basically at the end of my podcast. The first one is, what are three things that you kind of need every day? And it can't be something as broad as like my phone or like my laptop, my camera. Yeah, so I listened to the podcast with Tava and I enjoyed him fumbling and not knowing. What <laughs> um, so I think the things that are essential, I already mentioned definitely my car would be one of them uh, for sure. shared with the family, but I do have access to it the majority of the time, which is really nice. Mm -hmm. Second thing would be uh, my jackets. I have a collection of Gore-Tex waterproof jackets and pants that I like wearing. And it's good in the Bay Area climate where the weather is constantly changing and that sort of thing. And then the final thing that I always have with me um, probably be my AirPods. I like listening to music. I like kind of zoning out. I guess that's a little more generic. Drop um, an album then. Well, which no, album? Definitely not dropping an album. <laughs> but that's been super nice. I also have, we didn't really get into this as much. I also have a mood board account called Royal Lauren. Um, and so I've been getting into that as well, finding kind of archive photos from uh, England and also just current events and some of my film photography. And so that's been a super fun thing to put my time in as well. Okay, wait. So actually, I want to talk about that for a sec. What's yeah. up? Like, what's the deal with the whole like Royal Florin account? Okay, so Florin is a pre-decimal British coin. Uh, my grandpa was very into collecting coins and so it was one of the coins that was passed down to me. It was a Florin coin. Um, and I couldn't get at Florin, so I put Royal Florin. Um, but basically, I have a big interest in history. We were talking about that earlier. Mm -hmm. So, And there were a lot of historical photos that 
really inspired me or um, kind of evoked some sort of emotion in me. So I started compiling them and then also using it a little bit as a feature page for some of the accounts that inspired me. But when I'm feeling a lack of inspiration or looking at the same stuff, I'll look at my mood board and generally start to form ideas, which is nice and been one of the solutions in addition to listening to music to come up with new ideas, think of new locations or new concepts, that sort of thing. Right. And are you on like Pinterest at all? Because, you know, mood boards does sound a lot like, you know, Pinterest. Yeah, I'm not on Pinterest. I am on uh, Tumblr and a lot of the photos I find on Reddit as well. So I've been kind of spacing out my time between those two as well. That's cool. Um, and I guess the last question is um, advice for someone listening to this podcast that kind of wants to be in a, like a similar position um, to where you're at. Yeah, generally, I would say it doesn't matter what equipment you have. I know that is a big cliche. Um, and there has been a lot about iPhones shooting with iPhone. My recommendation now, which I'm passing off to everyone, is disposable cameras or cheap film cameras. Um, you can get one for 10 bucks. You can get a roll of film for five bucks. And that way you get that very tactile, involved photography process, which I think has been lost. The images also come out pretty variable. Some of them are horrible out of focus, but then some of them are also good. And I think that's a good way that it, because you don't have to edit. You don't really have to do any post-processing. You just get the photos and then you can move from there. And so that would be my advice, buy a disposable camera or buy a cheap film camera um, and then engage with the community, of course. Don't get in community B. The person <laughs> no, uh, there's no such thing as community B, right? No, it doesn't yeah, no exist. Such no, no such thing. Awesome. Okay, so I guess thanks uh, thanks to you. Thanks to James for coming on this episode. Um, thanks to everyone who listened this far in. You can find James at, where, where can they find you? At SecOps on Instagram, S-E-K dot O-P-S. Awesome, and you can find me on Instagram. All right, you have something else to say? No, just send me a message, that's all, if you're interested. Definitely, send him a DM. You can find me on Instagram at Omar Mosim. We started posting excerpts to our 52 Stories um, Instagram account at 52 Stories Podcast, so go give that a follow. Thanks for listening again. If you're going to go out, wear a mask. Stay safe. Peace.